Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode 88, listener questions number two. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello and welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast, the show that tells you the secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know, and I hope you're ready to take the red pill. And today, you'll notice I said that, and not Zena, the warrior princess, because Zena is not here today. Um, she actually was involved in an automobile accident. She's fine. Thank you for those of you that may have already um, known about this and, and, and sent their well wishes. She's perfectly okay, just without a vehicle. So there's going to be a couple of episodes where we won't have Zena with us, but I've got some um, fun things planned until she's back, and she will be back very shortly. Um, we've got a special guest co-host that's going to be coming on with me. I'll uh, wait until that's available for you to announce who that is. Uh, but it's going to be a very unique perspective. And then uh, Zena will be back, and we've got... Um, a couple of guest interviews lined up. We've got Ryan Peterson, who's going to be coming back to talk more about his new book. Uh, back when we first interviewed him about the final Nephilim, we uh, didn't have it available for uh, uh, for reading in depth. I've since read the book several times and uh, have just loved every minute of it. So we'll be discussing with him some more deeper things about the final Nephilim. And then uh, I'll announce another guest. I'm not going to say his name just yet, but believe it or not, he's in the music industry. And uh, he's going to share some very interesting stories about Bigfoot. So we'll be doing some podcast episodes about Bigfoot coming up soon. So a lot of exciting and fun things to talk about coming up very soon. Stay tuned. Uh, we also are going to be announcing some very new and interesting um, improvements and features and things like that. Uh, excuse me. Not the least of which is going to be premium content subscription. So be on the lookout for that. Right now, the, the podcast will remain free, of course, uh, for, for all that just want to listen. But um, we're going to start offering bonus content and um, access to the archive catalog and all kind of good things. So for those that are wanting to support us, because a lot of you have been doing so, but would like to do so for a benefit, then we're going to be uh, offering that to you very soon. So in light of all those things, what we're going to do today is your questions have been mounting and I'm, I'm getting to the point where I can't keep up with all of them. So I thought I'll start doing a Q&A episode as bonus content every so often, <clears throat> maybe a uh, 
It could be once a month. Uh, we're also going to be looking at a Q&A forum for you because I'm getting more than I can handle. Uh, our podcast has grown now to the point where we have over 73,000 unique listeners and our amount of monthly allotted uh, downloads has exceeded our plan. So we need to increase our plan, uh, and that's thanks to you. We're growing, and we appreciate you getting the word out. So let's dive right into some of the listener questions here. Uh, these are coming from all the sources that I get them, uh, from YouTube comments and questions, from the um, uh, Facebook uh, as well, and also from emails that you send. So our first question comes from John and Sheila. And it was, uh, can you elaborate on what you're calling judgment in reference to Genesis 1, verse 2? And I believe that question was in uh, relation to a specific episode where we talked about Gog and Magog revisited. But we've discussed this on a number of podcasts. So John and Sheila, great question. Thank you. And uh, let me give you the short answer because we've done an entire episode, actually several episodes, but if you really want to go back to the very first episode, which was titled The World That Was, when Zena and I first made a, um, a podcast, uh, we discuss at length what was going on there for the backstory. But let me give you the short answer, because you took the time to write me. So Genesis 1-2, what are you uh, calling the judgment? Well, verse 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And as far as I'm concerned, that is a self-contained description of the event of the creation, not when it happened, not how long it took, no details other than that God did it. Verse 2, however, says, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, most Christian theology, I don't know if it's most, but I would say traditionally, Christian theology has viewed these passages as, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. They have the plural there, which I believe is incorrect. And here's how he did it. He started with a formless, shapeless earth without form and void and on and on. And they go on and say, those are the six days of creation. I do believe in six days here, literally, that takes place. But it is renovation of the original creation, not the creation itself. Because something happened between, between Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2. And I contend that is when the original rebellion of Lucifer and his angels took place. In the countless ageless past, uh, back before man was ever even created, and only God knew that he would do it, uh, the world was populated by angels, the universe was populated by the Benai Elohim, the sons of God. And in fact, <clears throat> according to uh, Job chapter 38, it says that when God laid the foundation of the earth, that the morning stars sang and the sons of God shouted. And I may have that in reverse order, but uh, that's the passage that indicates that the angels and heaven and its contents and occupants were created first. They witnessed God lay the foundation of the earth and shouted. They weren't shouting and singing at the earth being without form and void and covered in darkness and the deep, which he says, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The deep is the waters. So the question is, elaborate on what you're calling judgment. That was a judgment. 
that was God's divine judgment upon the rebellion that took place. Evidently, from what we can see, that phrase, without form and void, is the Hebrew phrase, tohu, tohu va bohu, and it is translated in two other places in the King James Bible. In Jeremiah chapter 4, let's, let's pull that up right quick, because I don't want to go into super great detail about this since we covered it in, in greater detail in the original um, episode and others. Um, verse 23, uh, Jeremiah 4, 23, I beheld the earth and lo, it was without form and void. Same phrase. And, um, the heavens and they had no light. I beheld the mountains and lo, they trembled and all the hills moved lightly. And incidentally, I do believe that Jeremiah is not referring to this time in Genesis 1, 2 here. In fact, it's a future destruction after God's wrath upon the earth. But it's the same phrase, without form and void. And he says in verse 26, I beheld and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness, and all the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord and by his fierce anger. So this second usage of tohu va bohu, without form and void, is in connection to divine judgment. And then the other place... It is translated as um, the line of confusion and the stones of emptiness. And I'm suddenly drawing a blank as to where that is. But you know what I'll do? I'll find it in my handy-dandy search. I used to have this memorized pretty well. Isaiah 34. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody of you probably shouting, it's Isaiah, dummy. Well, when you get my age, you start to forget things. Uh, but Isaiah chapter 34 and verse 11, um, actually, let's back up to for the context. Isaiah 34, verse 6 says, The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is made fat with fatness and the blood of lambs and of goats uh, um, and the fat of kidneys of rams. For the Lord hath a sacrifice in Basra and a great slaughter in the land of Idumea. Idumea is Edom. Uh, the, the country of Esau, right? And uh, it's another future passage of judgment. And, and it's also probably a picture of something that took place in the past. In fact, it very well may have been that the original planet um, uh, was ruled over from Edom or something like that uh, with Lucifer. I, I, that's another story I'll get into another time. But he goes on to say, um, but the cormorant, and, and God's going to pour it out, verse 8, for it is the day of the Lord's vengeance and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion. So it is clearly referring to a future thing, but I believe as the Bible tells us, there's nothing new under the sun. That which shall be has been done. So everything that's going to happen has already happened in the past, in the ageless past, uh, through the original angelic rebellion. Man rebelled, but long after the angels rebelled. And in this vengeance, he says that the land of Idumea will become burning pitch in verse 9. And then he says in verse 11, but the cormorant and the bittern, those are birds, shall possess it. The owl also and the raven shall dwell in it, in Idumea, and he shall stretch out upon it, the land, the line of confusion and the stones of emptiness. Now, interestingly, that's the same phrase, tohu, vabohu, and it's only translated as without form and void twice in the Bible. 
Genesis 1-2, Jeremiah 4-23, and here the line of confusion and the stones of emptiness in Isaiah 34-11. All three of them are in connection to God's divine judgment. <clears throat> Why would we presume that without form and void in its first usage is different than it is in the only other two usages in the Bible? And so there's far more detail to get into that we could. Uh, God created the earth to be inhabited. His way is perfect. You see an imperfect world in Genesis 1-2. The earth was without form and void. Darkness is there. Where did the darkness come from? In God is no darkness. Darkness is only associated with the wrath of God. And then there's water. And water is associated with judgment. He flooded the earth when the time, in the time of Noah. That was a second flood. This is the first one, the, the flood of his judgment to wipe out the rebellious, angelic world that turned against God. And it's really a fascinating thing to think about. And by the way, for whatever it's worth, um, for those of you that have heard me say this, I'm still working on the book, my first book, which is going to be titled the name of our first episode, The World That Was, or at least that's our working title. Who knows what the publisher may change or whatever. But that's the book I hope to present hopefully by the end of this year. And we're praying that we can get it done. It will go into great detail about this world, the world that was, and why there had to be God's divine wrath upon the world which we see in Genesis 1 verse 2. There's so much more we could get into, but I don't have time to do that many questions. That, that could be a whole other episode. So thank you, John and Sheila for your question, and I hope this uh, helps you. Uh, the next question comes from our listener named Mandy. Uh, says, love your podcast, not caught up, but listen every day. Which version of the Bible would you suggest? That's a great question. I do get asked that a lot, and I use a King James Bible. There's an infinite number of reasons why I prefer this, but some of it's just personal. I got saved through the teaching of a King James Bible. Uh, I use, if you're talking about print editions, uh, I use a Tyndall edition simply because I can um, call out page numbers for my Bible study listeners. I don't do that in the podcast because generally speaking, um, I might be reaching uh, an audience of people that are listening for the first time on many occasions because we just keep growing. And they may have never picked up a Bible or don't even have one. Uh, but when they tune in, and if you tune in to hear my Sunday messages, you'll see that I call out page numbers. So I use this Tyndall print edition, but it is a King James Bible. Uh, the Tyndall edition is not expensive. Uh, it has tabs, so you could quickly find the, uh, the books if you're not familiar with them. And it's very handy to hold in one hand. So I used to use a Define King James Bible, and I used a larger, uh, large print that I really couldn't hold in one hand, but uh, evidently those are out of print now, so we can't get them anymore. Or at least not now. <clears throat> so uh, King James Bible. Now, why the King James? Well, isn't it archaic language? Well, Greek and Hebrew are archaic languages. So I don't want to hear the arguments about uh, 1611 English being archaic. Uh, a dictionary will help you with any old words. But we should be using Bible definitions anyway. We understand the Word of God by comparing Scripture with Scripture, not by listening to men's uh, um, 
interpretations of it. And uh, while I use a Strong's Concordance because I don't know Greek and Hebrew, I can look things up, I still use that just to find other references in the scriptures so that I can get a Bible definition of meanings. But the King James Bible is, is unique in that there's no copyright. In order for a Bible, such as New Translations, to have a copyright, which they do, there has to be a percentage of significant changes in the text. And I also believe that the text reference material that they use is corrupted. That is a vastly difficult subject that I do not want to get into. I've studied it for years. But I came to the conclusion through study that the manuscript evidence supports the veracity of the King James Bible for us today in English. I'm not talking about other languages, but for English. And uh, the, the Old Testament uh, is translated from the Hebrew Masoretic text. And the New Testament is translated from the Greek Textus Receptus or Majority Text. And I do believe that the evidence proves that those texts, may, while they may not be the oldest available manuscripts out there, like Sinaiticus and Botanicus and these others from uh, Alexandria, Egypt, I do believe that Gnostic corruption altered the truth of those texts, and they are therefore Satan's attempt to change the meaning of the Word of God. And so that's, that's one of my primary reasons why I continue to use the King James Bible. And <clears throat> I will share with you a passage about the Word of God in Psalm 12. Excuse me. <clears throat> Having a tough time with allergies today. I appreciate you bearing with me. But it's Psalm chapter 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Incidentally, when the King James Bible was translated, there were seven committees of translators. Um, and I think each group had six uh, individuals in it or something like that. But anyway, verse 7, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And I believe he's talking about his words, the reference to his words. There are modern translations that says he's going to preserve his saints. Well, he is going to preserve his saints forever. But that's not what the context is. It's the words of the Lord. Now, here's the thing. If God said he would preserve his word forever, somewhere there has to be a copy that is accurate of God's word that we can read and study and search because if there's not, then he lied. If we only have the best available copy or translation, then, then he lied. He didn't preserve his word. He preserved the best available copy. And I believe God's Holy Spirit is powerful enough to preserve his word perfectly intact for you in the language that you need with a book that you can call the word of God. And if these other Bible translations conflict with each other and with the King James Bible, then they don't say the same thing, and there's division, and there's confusion. So I stick with the old reliable King James Bible. I realize that we um, don't speak like this today. We don't use thee and thou and thy and thine. But you know what? That's an easy obstacle to overcome. It's simply a way of indicating the singular. And ye, you, and yours is indicating the plural. So keep that in mind. If you decide, okay, I'm going to get a King James Bible, but I've never used one before, it's very precise because if Jesus Christ says, ye are the salt of the earth, he's talking to the group. But if 
Paul says, keep that which is committed to thy trust. He's talking to one person, either Timothy or Titus or whoever he's writing to. <laughs> it just clarifies the meaning. There's many other reasons I could get into, but that's the short answer. And thank you very much for your question there, Mandy. I appreciate it. The next question, there's actually two back-to-back. And uh, they're somewhat long, but I'm going to read both of them because they're basically saying the same thing. And it's addressing the episode called Gog and Magog Revisited, where um, I made some comments about Gog that I do not believe Gog is Russia. Many Christians today, particularly Messianic believers, um, have traditionally believed that Gog is going to be Russia. Putin is Gog and all kind of things like that. And I disagree with that, and I'm going to tell you why. But let's start with the two questions here. Uh, so first of all, this is from Piedmont Wildlife and Outdoors. I think this came from uh, YouTube. Bible Mysteries, I listened to all your podcasts, and I really enjoyed them and, and learning a lot. Thank you, Piedmont. But on this one, I think I have to disagree. To me, it sounds like blaming the rape victim for wearing a party dress. I'm not sure... Um, what they mean by that, but I'll address it in a little bit. <clears throat> the atrocities Russia is committing is not on Ukraine or on the Western ideology. Um, actually, I would say the atrocities Russia is committing is on Ukraine, but that's neither here nor there. Attacking a country that you didn't do anything to and wasn't threatening you, it's just pure evil. Now, that's where I beg to differ uh, with... Um, with this uh, question. That's not what's happening with Ukraine and Russia, but I'll get to that in a moment. It might be part of the Great Reset, but that's something that you would know more about, and I can't say that the West only is to blame. Well, I don't believe the West is only to blame about this thing with Russia, and I don't believe Putin is lily white or, or pure as driven snow. But we'll come back to some of those comments here, because the next uh, question is very similar from Bree G., and it says, I agree with 99% of this only because I do think it is Russia, meaning Gog is Russia so far. Uh, there's a pastor, Andy Woods, who makes an excellent case for Russia if you want to check out his insights on it and maybe address them next time. I will admit, Bree, I have not checked out Pastor Andy Woods, but thank you for referring me to them. I believe that Gog is a fallen spiritual entity who is influencing Putin, again, so far. Because so many credible arguments on this nowadays. You're right. There are a lot of arguments. And I do agree with you that Gog is a spiritual entity. Whether or not he's influencing Putin, that's another story. As far as I'm concerned, Satan's influencing all of the nations of the world, America included. But anyway, they continue. I look forward to your next show on this topic, and hopefully you might check out what Andy Wood says, too. I can't share the link because when I do share my links, my comments get removed YouTube. Uh, so happy to have found you guys. May the Lord bless you. Well, thank you, Bree, and the Lord bless you too. And Piedmont, thank you for both of you for your questions, and uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. Now, what they're referring to is the passage about Gog in Ezekiel 38. And since we just recently did uh, this episode, Gog and Magog Revisited, right before our two-part interview with L.A. Marzulli, which, by the way, thank you again, L.A., if you're listening for that. Uh, we are so grateful for your time uh, to have been a part of that uh, and look forward to having you on again soon. But uh, Ezekiel 28 uh, is the reference passage, so let me read that to you. Uh, oops. 38, I'm in 28. Would help if I could read. 
This is why I need Zena <laughs> to be here to help me. Uh, verse 2, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Now, I'm not going to go over the whole episode again because we discussed that in more detail uh, at that time. But let's just talk about these words. Words mean things. Names mean things. Look up names sometimes in the Bible. If you don't have a concordance, you can go to the Blue Letter Bible online or something and look up. It's just curious to see what a name means. There's truth in a name. You know, uh, Israel, his name was Jacob before. And Jacob means supplanter, almost like a thief. God changes his name, Israel, which is like he, he strives with God or wrestles with God. So Gog is a name. And Magog is a name. Gog is the personage. Magog is the land. And then notice it says that he is the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. And those are names. So let's look at those names. First of all, <coughs> excuse me, Magog literally means land of Gog. When Magog was born... He's a son of Japheth, uh, one of the three sons of Noah. There wasn't a Russia. It didn't exist, okay? It's referring to something else. And again, everything keeps coming back to nothing new under the sun, Ecclesiastes. There, there's a deeper truth of everything that's going on in the world today that has happened before. Everything comes full circle. But if you go to the blueletterbible.org, and I will post in the show notes these links for you, it defines the Magog as the land of Gog, and it literally says it's the mountainous region between Cappadocia and Media and habitation of the descendants of Magog. And you can look up the regions and things like that, but Media ultimately became the region of today we would know as Iran. It became Persia. And Cappadocia, these, really, these are areas that are around like the Caspian Sea, the uh, mountains of Turkey, the Caucasus Mountains, Ararat and whatever. And uh, that would make sense because that's where the ark settled after the flood. And Noah's three sons, they began to populate the earth again because there weren't any other people left. So that would have been the region of these individuals that traveled. And when you think about life in that time, <clears throat> passing over a mountain range was not an easy thing to do for a people, you know, until they could sail around things. Can you imagine travel on foot, crossing not just one mountain, but an entire range of mountains? That wasn't going to be an easy thing to do. So it would have made far more sense that they would settle in the regions below or to the south of the Caucasus. And therefore, and it's literally Caucasus Mountains is where the term Caucasian comes from. So there, there's a, a group of people that migrated in one direction, one group migrated in another direction. And so Caucasus people, Japhetic people, became known as Caucasians. Many different uh, uh, nations were born from that. Semitic people, Shemites, and uh, Hamitic people from Ham. And so they, they all went to different regions of the world. Well, nothing about this is saying they went north of the Caucasus and the, across the Black Sea and settled into what is modern-day Russia. Uh, and, and 
because it's the land of the north, I mean, Russia is not the only northern land in the world. Yeah, north is depending on your perspective. If you're in Antarctica, everything is north. You know, um, South America is north if you're in Antarctica. So uh, let's look at other names and let's bear out some truth here. The land is Magog. It means land of Gog, okay? And we've already seen that the region is south of the Caucasus, comprising what could be portions of Turkey, Armenia, Iran, whatever, okay? And then Meshech is another one. It says that Gog is the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. Again, Blue Letter Bible reference I'll post in the show notes. Meshech literally means drawing out, and isn't that exactly what it says? I will draw thee forth, bring thee forth, and turn thee back in uh, Ezekiel 38.4. And by the way, he said, I've, I've prophesied to you of old time. So Gog has been around a long time. It's not Putin, and it's not Hitler, and it's not Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden or whatever. Uh, they're all evil individuals, but and they're satanically controlled, no doubt about that. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. But there's, uh, that's not who this entity is. This entity has been prophesied for a long time. Uh, let's say, um, if I can find that, uh, art thou not he... Um, yeah, I don't see it now. It might be chapter 39. Um, yeah, I'm not finding it for the moment. Sorry, it just popped into my head, but I can't find the passage where God says, I foretold of you from ancient times. Well, there wasn't ever a person named Gog. In the Bible, Magog is one of the sons of Japheth and Meshach and Tubal. But um, where was there ever a Gog? So I believe it's a person that predates humanity. Uh, could be a fallen angel, could be some entity, a, a Nephilim, I don't know. But the Blue Letter Bible defines Meshach as descendants of Meshach often mentioned in connection with Tubal, Magog, and other northern nations, including the Moshi a people on the borders of Colchis and Armenia. 
okay? And northern nations is north in reference to Israel. A lot is north of Israel. Syria, Lebanon are north of Israel. Turkey is north of Israel. Uh, before you get to Russia, you know, you got to go a thousand miles or a, a long way to get to Russia from to be north of Israel. And then Tubal was the other name. And Tubal literally means thou shalt be brought. And again, it's I will bring thee forth and turn thee back. So all of this is in reference to the prophecy there. Blue Letter Bible defines Tubal as a region in East Asia Minor, perhaps nearly equal to Cappadocia. And again, we're talking about um, Eastern Asia Minor would be uh, Northeast Turkey. Asia Minor was what we would call Turkey today. Again, getting close to the Caucasus Mountains. So first of all, nothing about the wording of the personages in this passage is pointing anything to Russia. And there's something about Rus and all this stuff in there and it, 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 because of the word chief. Chief is the word Rus, and they glean Russia from that. Russia is not named after the Hebrew word for chief. Russia is named after the people that settled down from Scandinavia and came down the, uh, oh, I forgot what the river is now. But uh, anyway, bottom line is, I don't believe Russia is in the picture here. Now, politically speaking, the comment about Ukraine did nothing to provoke this attack, that's a lie. That's not true. Russia... Russian-speaking Ukrainians that live in the eastern part of Ukraine, the Donbass region, are um, people that have been getting attacked since 2014 in the, in the Maidan uh, revolution. And if you want to know the truth about that, this was provoked by our CIA. They've been behind it. I'll probably do an episode about this sometime. I don't tend to get deep into politics but I, um, because I want to be able to use the Bible as a reference point. But uh, don't think that, that the United States hasn't been behind every bit of this, provoking a war with Russia. Uh, it, it, you are uninformed if you think Russia just decided to pick on little Ukraine. I'm, I sympathize with the Ukrainian people that are innocent victims in all this, but they're the pawns of evil powers that are NATO, the EU, the United States, and Russia, all involved. If you want to see some good evidence about this, watch Ukraine on Fire by Oliver Stone. And I'll put a YouTube link up there, which, by the way, there's like three different disclaimers when you try to watch it of YouTube trying to edit it or, or, or censor the content. So that tells you there must be something true. Because whenever YouTube tries to censor our content, it's because we're speaking the truth. <clears throat> So thank both of you for those questions. Uh, I do respectfully disagree with you about Ukraine. It is deeper than your hearing on the news. And if I may add, stop watching the news. The CIA controls the media. You're not getting the truth. It's not news. It's propaganda. Stop it. Okay. Next question. Thank you for that. I'm off my little soapbox. Hi, Pastor Scott. Just listened to the interview. Wow. And she's talking, or uh, this person is talking about the interview with L.A. Marzulli. Can't wait for part two. I have a question. Do you think all we are experiencing, like right now in the world, could be a foreshadowing of the tribulation? Well, absolutely. COVID equals pestilence. Food shortages equals famine. It's certainly all a battle in the mind, not just the mind, but yes. 
uh, a battle for your mind, that's true, uh, just seems to me we are experiencing some of the Old Testament plagues and maybe even what I see as the quickly approaching tribulation. Your thoughts, please. Thank you, Amy. Great question, Amy. Uh, and I agree with you. Um, you know, uh, we're going to have, we've recorded two episodes again with, like I mentioned, Ryan Peterson. And uh, Ryan does, by the way, a little plug for him. Uh, he's the author of The Judgment of the Nephilim and The Final Nephilim. And he does a Facebook Thursday night theology class that I strongly encourage you to participate in if you haven't done so. Fascinating. Ryan's one of the best Bible teachers I've ever heard. And that's coming from a Bible teacher. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he's really amazing. And I was grateful to be a guest on his show as well. But uh, he threw a really interesting thought out to me that we explore in an upcoming two-part interview. I'm going to have him on again on the show here very soon. And he talked about the seven seals of the book of Revelation. And we're going to discuss that. So I, I, don't, I want to give you a little spoiler alert that I don't want to tell you everything we talked about. But uh, Amy, to your question, there's two passages of Scripture that relate to this. And one of them includes Revelation chapter 6, the very topic uh, that Ryan and I discussed. So um, in... Uh, Revelation chapter 5, the scene of a scroll in the hand of God that sealed with seven seals, and no man is found worthy to open it, and the Lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, is the one who has prevailed to open the seals of the book. So he begins to open them in chapter 6. And that's where we see the horses of the apocalypse, you know. And uh, a little bit of a spoiler alert, Ryan and I discussed the, that this is not all future that perhaps some of these scrolls were opened immediately upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We talk about that, so uh, you'll enjoy that. But in verse 5 of Revelation 6, we see when he'd opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and I beheld and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see, thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And the penny would have been uh, the equivalent of the Roman denarius, which was considered to be a day's wages. So imagine working all day, your job all day, just for a measure of wheat. Uh, the indication is famine here. So in back to Amy's question, food shortages are happening right now under our brilliantly wonderful leaders. Well, folks, here's the thing. Our leaders are satanic. They, they may be stupid and incompetent, and they are, but that doesn't reduce their capacity for being evil. If they're demon-controlled, as they certainly are, then the demons can operate through them. In fact, the, the, the stupider they are, the easier they are to control. And so there are the, these leaders are puppets uh, to the puppet masters, which is the satanic global elite. So this is by design. We discussed that in the Great Reset and Agenda 2030. But think about it. There's, since Jesus Christ has brought the light of the gospel to the world, there have been wars, there have been famines, there have been pestilences. We can go back through history and see the Spanish flu, the bubonic plague, the black plague. I mean, you could go on and on. Uh, world War I, World War II, and before that. I mean, it's been constant battles. 
famines have occurred. There's been the Irish potato famine. There's been, there's been famines all over the world. There's been earthquakes all over the world. <clears throat> Is it possible that all this began basically because the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence and the violent take it by force. Is it possible that it's all going to come to a head? The, the, some of the seals have not yet been opened yet. Obviously, the last seal is going to be the, seven, the sixth seal. There's a great earthquake. The sun becomes black. The moon becomes blood. The stars of heaven fall. And that seems to be catalyzing into the seven years of tribulation. But is it possible that some of these other things have been going on a long time? It's not just current events. So if we compare that to Matthew chapter 24, something Jesus told the disciples. Matthew 24, verse 7. For nation shall rise against nation. Well, that's been going on for 2,000 years. And kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, I used to say <clears throat> and teach, he's referring to the end times. So there's specific famines, specific earthquakes, specific kingdoms rising against kingdoms. And there are in prophecy. The book of Daniel talks about the king of the north, the king of the south, and the exploits and all that's going to be happening. But he says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Isn't it the, been the beginning of sorrows now for nearly 2,000 years? Since Christ was crucified, the persecution of the people of God, just as Israel was persecuted by their enemies and then turned against the Lord, and then the Lord sent prophet after prophet to turn them back to him, and they rejected them, and then sent his son, and they crucified him. But that excuse me, open the door for salvation to all men. Not through the nation Israel, which it will be restored later, but now through this message of grace. And it's the beginning of SARS. It's been, there's saints have been persecuted for 2,000 years, folks. There's been famines, earthquakes, pestilences. Why are there earthquakes? There shouldn't be earthquakes, not in a stable planet. Did God create the earth to be unstable so that we could all die from lava flows and uh uh, volcanic ash. I don't think volcanoes were supposed to be a part of this world. This is a sin-cursed earth right now. It's in bondage, and it will soon be delivered into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So it's just another way of looking at things, Amy, that yes, I agree with you. Everything that's going on right now is a reference to these seals and the famines and the pestilences and everything else. But they've been going on a long time, whether they're man-made or whether they're natural. So, um, again, uh, we go into some detail about the scrolls and the seven seals in our interview, Up and Coming with Ryan. So be looking for that. I don't want to spoil too much of it for you. Thanks for the question, Amy. Let's move on to the next one. Hi, my name is Tracy, and I found your podcast on Spotify. I have to say I love it. Well, thank you, Tracy, and thank you, Spotify. I've shared it with my friend, and we discussed the episodes at work. Well, that's an interesting conversation. I'd like to be a fly on the wall there. Here are my thoughts. Crazy, but what if Bigfoot 
are the fallen angels. Bigfoot. Is it Bigfoot plural as big feet? <laughs> I don't know. Bigfoots. What if Bigfoot are the fallen angels? Interesting question. They can't be seen by man. They can't hurt anyone. I'm, I don't know if they can hurt anyone or not. I've never heard of them doing that, but who knows? They're very tall and strong and have superpower to be invisible. You never know. Anyway, love your podcast. I look forward to hearing the next. Have a blessed day. Tracy, thank you, Tracy, and you have a blessed day, too, and thank you for listening and sharing. Uh, so interesting that you brought up Bigfoot because, um, as I mentioned, um, I'm going to have a guest on. I don't want to give you his name just yet, but um, he's a professional musician, and I've known him a long time. In fact, he's probably one of my oldest and dearest friends. Um his father-in-law lived in a remote area of rural Oklahoma, and he used to tell these Bigfoot sighting stories. And my friend used to tell those stories to me, and we would share and kind of laugh about it. Years before I started delving into these topics and thinking about Bible mysteries, I was always studying the Bible, but uh, I, I didn't know what to make of Bigfoot other than cryptozoology. Interestingly enough, and I'm going to share this when we do the interview, but um, this friend of mine moved from one state to Texas, the, the state where I live, and um, I knew some students there that were uh, members of my Bible class, and they were talented video people and whatever, and this other musician, I thought, you know, you guys put your heads together, you could probably come up with a million-dollar idea. And just for fun, I wrote... Uh, a little scenario of what could make a funny or interesting TV show or series or something that involved Bigfoot. And it was kind of based around my friend's stories that he used to tell from his father-in-law. And then it tied it into something really interesting in the scripture. And it was just an absolutely far-fetched, crazy, fictional idea that I had, just throwing it, you know, right off the top of my head. And they, they didn't use it, but but it was just something to, to, to get their brains working, and they ultimately did work on some projects together, but not that. Fast forward years later, I start searching the Bible and seeing things in there that I'd never seen before. And we start seeing the things about the giants, and then I become aware of uh, The Judgment of the Nephilim by Ryan Peterson, and then I become aware of L.A. Marzulli and Gary Stearman and Prophecy Watchers and um, uh, all the rest of these, uh, Timothy Alberino, uh, and I start realizing there's a lot of people that are having the same thoughts that I did. And then if you listen to the interview I did with L.A. Marzulli, he, got, he talks about the migration of the hybrids. And remember, just without getting too technical here, the Nephilim were the original offsprings of the sons of God and the daughters of men, and they were giants. They were destroyed in the flood of Noah, but we believe that it's possible that uh, some think there was a second incursion. I don't know if I agree with that. I do think there was the genetic bloodline carried forward through Ham's wife, uh, and I agree with Ryan on that. But um, the giants that came up later in the land of Canaan were lesser giants, uh, somewhat genetically removed from them, but they were their cousins, if you will. And they're called Rephraim. And those giants are probably the ones that fled the land of Canaan as they were being exterminated by the children of Israel. The conquest of Canaan was literally an extermination of giants. Well, since bones of giants have been found all over the world through the research that L.A. has done, he point blank told me, I believe the Bigfoots are the descendants of the giants. 
And that's exactly what I was posing as a fictional idea <laughs> of how the Bigfoot got to North America. They were the hairy cousins of the Rephaim. So interesting that uh, maybe that wasn't just a fictional idea. Maybe the Lord was <laughs> trying to get my attention back then. And and so to give you a passage <clears throat> to, to say why I think you're onto something, Tracy, is there's many, many things we can discuss about that, and we, we will do that in other episodes. But Genesis chapter 25 is an interesting passage, and there's an excellent book called Birthright by Timothy Alberino you may want to check out, where he goes into more detail about Esau. But in Genesis 25, we see the birth of Esau. And um, in the earlier question when we were talking about um, the judgment of Genesis 1 verse 2, and we were comparing the phrase tohu vabohu, and we were looking at the divine judgment of God in several passages. One of them was the judgment of Idumea, which is Edom, and Edom is the nation that was born from Esau, and Esau was the brother of Jacob. Twin brother, mind you, not identical though, and here's why. Genesis 25, verse 25. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, and we're talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, Isaac's wife, Rebecca, when the days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all over like an hairy garment, and they called his name Esau, and Esau means hairy. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. And his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was three score or 60 years old when she bare them. So Jacob wasn't the firstborn, but he ended up getting the birthright, as you well know, through the story of Jacob and Esau. But Esau was red and hairy all over. Why? Red and hairy. What children are born red and hairy? <laughs> Uh, and it could be some sort of genetic defect, but what if there might have been something in Esau? I don't know. Something in him that was not, not right, not normal. Uh, and so I, I only bring that up because, as I understand it, Bigfoots are hairy and they're tall. I, I do believe they're probably that, that hairiness and possibly even red hairiness on these creatures, if you will, are... Um, uh, a trait of them. Maybe it's just a particular tribe of giants, a particular bloodline of giants, or FAM, I don't know. Uh, and they migrated, and they could be the Yetis of uh, Nepal, they could be the Sasquatch of the Northwest, or the Bigfoots of the Southeast in, in North America, who knows. But I do think there's something to that, and I do think there's a connection between them all. And Esau being the enemy of God, as it turns out, not that he was a giant or a Nephilim, but just Interesting that he was red and hairy. And, uh, and he turns out being the one God hated because he despised the birthright. Birthright is so pivotal because God gave the earth to man. And in order for Jesus Christ to reign on the earth, he has to be able to legally qualify for the birthright. Hence, he was born of a virgin, the seed of the woman. <clears throat> he will rule over all the earth. Satan tried to destroy that from happening, and he couldn't, but he also tried to influence the bloodline of mankind so that his hybrid offspring could be eligible for the birthright. That's why the Antichrist will be uh, Satan's literal seed, the seed of the serpent, Satan incarnate. 
So interesting thought. I think there's something to that. I don't think the the ben, the Bigfoots are necessarily benevolent uh, or anything like that. They could probably do great harm, or they may be called upon to do great harm. I'm not sure. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Great question there, and thank you, Tracy. Another question. I see that you are definitely waking people up, and I think that is amazing. I guess I feel like it's a bummer, like no matter what we do is the same result. Satan and his minions get to take over the world and ruin what God created, and we just sit back, do our part, and watch it burn. It seems overwhelming, sad, when you think of it that way. I think sometimes it might be nice to be an ostrich and put back my head in the sand. The end result, heaven must be worth it because no one comes back. Keep doing what you're doing. The world needs people like you, Jody. Thank you, Jody. And I, I sense your your uh, despondency in, in the, the question, and I want you to know that I understand what you're saying. However, I take a different perspective on this. You know, while I say, you're not going to vote these people out, we're not going to stop what's coming, because God prophesied of this. Um, the Antichrist is coming. Our job is not to prevent it from happening. It is difficult to watch the world go to hell in a handbasket and not to want to do something. But we have to realize that the Lord predicted these days would come. This is no surprise to the Lord. And there's nothing we're called to do to stop it. It's the fulfillment of Scripture. But there's a passage in Psalm 37 I want to share with you, Jody, and anybody else listening. Verse 32, the wicked watch the righteous and seeketh to slay him. And we're in that time now. We've been in this time for a long time, folks. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land when the wicked are cut off. Thou shalt see it. We're going to see the wicked cut off, folks. We're going to see the Lord's vengeance. He said vengeance is mine. That's the reason why we shouldn't try to stop this ourselves. We will see the vengeance of the Lord upon the satanic global elite. Only he can judge in perfect righteousness. We're sinful creatures too. But we're redeemed by the Lord and we shall inherit the earth from the very evil that seeks to persecute us. And it's really been going on. The beginning of sorrows is a long time. Their end shall be eternal torment. But our end shall be eternal life. And it's worth shouting about. Even though we see everything we've known being destroyed by the satanic global elite, the Lord is going to come back. And even the world in its best state right now is not worthy to be compared to the paradise that's coming with the Lord himself. I really thank you guys for listening today. And I want to close with some thoughts here uh, just to uh, thank you. Uh, thank you because we hope you're enjoying the podcast, uh, but we want to thank those of you that have been donating. Um, Sandy and Zena. Sandy is my producer and my wife. Zena, of course, my co-host. And we are so grateful for the support you give us through your prayers, through sharing and liking and subscribing to the podcast and telling others about it and, and, and the videos. And through your donations, I want you to know that uh, because of your financial support, Bible Mysteries Podcast has reached these over 73,000 unique listeners, and the, the audience is growing every day on, on Facebook and YouTube. And we especially want to thank those of you that have been giving to us on a regular basis. Uh, without that support, we would not be able to continue. And really, we realize that we need to give you some mechanisms whereby not only can you donate more easily, but 
There might be some of you that wouldn't want to donate, but you might want to subscribe to premium content. So we're going to be introducing that very shortly here. I'll be making announcements about that too, and we'll provide some additional content for you. And so you could subscribe for a, a monthly fee and have access to that content. And that'll be a way that you can help us support it. Up until now, you've been giving uh, to this podcast and to our other Bible study ministries through my former church, Grace Family Bible Church. And we're proud to announce that we've created the Unlock the Bible Now, Inc., a nonprofit organization that is now implementing a new giving platform, which is uh, instead of using PayPal, we're going to use Subsplash Giving. And uh, that's for those of you who want to donate, and we're going to be using Supercast for the premium content, and you can subscribe through them and actually pay a monthly fee if you want to do that. So these are ways you can help us, and Subsplash is a safe and secure way to support us, and you can make a one-time donation. You can schedule to give on a monthly or weekly basis, and I cannot tell you how helpful that is. If we can, up until now, since we just started from what we had, whenever some money came in, we, we tried to do more. And if it didn't come in, we couldn't do more. But if we have regular funds coming in, we can budget, no matter how little it is. Even if you could only give $10 a month, can you imagine the power of how many people we could reach if that was multiplied by many? So little bits mean a lot to us. And then if, and if you're willing to give uh, for uh, premium content, we're going to price that somewhere around maybe like 7 bucks a month or something. Uh, to give you access to that. So if you like and enjoyed the podcast and you've been giving, thank you. We're going to make giving easier. If you haven't been donating and you wish to, we hope that this will give you some incentive to do so, or at the very least, subscribe. Um, I'll post the Subsplash Giving link in the show notes here. But we truly believe we are in the last days and that the war against Christianity is increasing. So as our audience grows... Our expenses grow too. The the attacks against us uh, and all of anybody telling the truth there, uh, and then we have to use we have to pay pay more money for the platforms we use because there's more downloads now. So it's a good problem to have, but we just need to have the resources to face those problems. So think about what you could do and how many people we could reach if you did whatever you put on your heart to give on a regular basis. So my question would ask you to join us in this mission, if you're willing to reach as many people as we can while there's still time. We ask you to prayerfully consider supporting Unlock the Bible Now and Bible Mysteries Podcast with whatever the Lord lays on your heart to do. Your gifts are tax deductible, and they'll be used for this important ministry and outreach. So uh, just stay tuned for coming new resources to be announced, as well as more special guest interviews and, Lord willing, the book release to be, I'm hoping, on this year. So thanks again for your support. Thank you for listening today, and God bless you, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at UTBNow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.